we want to reward lads who are on form and mm. I think he deserves to be in camp and see how he gets on and I have to agree I, I looked at Connacht and Reeves and I thought Mac Hansen was a man with, you know, who was possessed he was involved in mm. everything that Munster or that Connacht did so well and uh, it's just another string to his bow Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland proud supporter of the four Irish provinces Hello and welcome to House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland. And no, your eyes or ears aren't deceiving you. I am not Greg O'Shea. I am indeed Jason Hennessy. Unfortunately, Greg is away this week on holidays, but I do have Lindsay Peep beside me. Yeah, well, we're a duo now. We're so, a duo Greg, now. sorry you're missing now. <laughs> how are you? Good, good. good. How are you? Grand, grand, grand. I'd say a happy man now after that weekend. I did, I did. I was in Town Park, so it was a good match. I enjoyed I it. Yeah. We also have a very special guest here today, Mr. Brian Moylet. How are you keeping? Cheers. Yeah, keeping really well, thanks. Excellent, excellent. Welcome to the show anyway. Um, we'll get straight into it. We'll get straight into the match because there's loads of rugby to look back on. Um, obviously, we're going to chat to you later on about your book, How to Become Rugby Player. We're going to chat about um, the medal side of the game, that extra 1% that players we're looking for. And uh, But obviously, said, straight into the rugby first. Yes. Uh, first off, I mean, you know, where I'm going to start off first, like... <laughs> there's only one, one place to start off like. right yeah do you know what I mean we you can know, all predict this you know the at the highest yeah. level so we might go into your psyche whip Brian about <laughs> <laughs> being a Munster fan look 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 this is, look when we call the shots out here look Pat has already decided we're going to start with Munster I'm not going to say I was in his ear like, but we are going to go ahead with Munster I think first. there was maybe this to his head <laughs> let's start, <laughs> let's start Munster. Munster but anyway yes, Munster won in Tomer Park 27-23 Bit of a strange one, considering the fact that they were 24-0 up at one stage. But, obviously, uh, there was a red card in the first half to Jack O'Donoghue. But, no bonus points, but a win at home against Northampton. And a guaranteed qualification. Now we're just oh, yeah, I think they're almost, almost I think yeah. basically so. Yes. What do you think? Did you watch the game? I did watch the game. I... Look, I'm telling you, Munster are winning me over. I'm always going to be a Leinster fan, but obviously I gave out about you for a long time. Not give out about you, I suppose, no more than yourselves, echoing the frustration yeah, about where you are brought in big names, whether that's be players or coaches, and kind of, you know, moved away from the natural DNA. And I think we're now starting to see, like, Jack O'Donoghue, like, fair play. He's on a run now. He's confident. I hope this red card doesn't kind of hinder that because I thought he was exceptional. Gavin Coombs, stand up, my friend, because you answered your critics. Um... And I think he looked fit. He looked hungry. He he not only now did this big, you know, ball carry where he's a big man. Now now we start to see his ball playing skills as number eight. Um, Craig Casey, lovely to see Calvin Nash back in. We're going to talk about the 10-12 axis with Joey Carberry um, and Jack Crowley. I thought it works again because I think both players aren't under pressure. So they're both ball players and kind of working off each other. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Boy, much you make it a game. I mean, definitely, as I said, a game of two halves. Yeah, I thought Munster, they started well, but Northampton, that first half, just weren't at the races or, or did nothing. So it's hard to tell. Like Munster, yeah, they started really well. Then the red card is difficult because, you know, down 14. But yeah, some really good stuff. Like you said, Lindsay, with, I thought Gavin Coombs was class. Mm. And definitely with the Six Nations around the corner, he's he's playing well and Crowley class as well. And so, yeah, there's some, some good things happening there at Munster. But I still think they've... They definitely have levels to go. Like they, mm. they can be a lot better. While they're improving, uh, I don't think they're anywhere near the finished article, and they can definitely get a lot better. Which, which is good if you're a monster fan as well or a yeah. monster player. Do you know what I do like though that we're seeing that we didn't have before? So say obviously Roman Salanoa started, mm. which was kind of maybe surprising, yeah, in a way because your toy head is so key to that. You know your set piece, but John Ryan comes on, so now you've depth. He gets two turnovers. Yeah. He kind of brings. He's in got at the end of the bloody month though. 
Well, listen. That's the only that's thing. Then again, fish. with my pal Archer to come back in, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought Sal Noe did well. He like did very well. He, he did, did very well. well. Yeah, and around the park he was good. And, and yeah. even Scannell's little um, tip back inside, do you know, for that first, um, was it, who scored that one? Uh, into Tyke Burn. Like, so it just, just, diff, just, they're not running the mill now. They're trying something different. And Graham Roundtree said that a couple of weeks ago. Like, mm. we're trying to implement a process. It's we're trying to play. Of course, going to take time. But to see depth, and I think, listen, you're the trained man here, but I think going down to 14 men and grinding out a win surely is going to help that towards the finished article. So you're not only having a style of play, you're now mentally getting confidence and getting over these stumbling blocks in big European competition. Yeah, 100%. And something on that, what I thought was interesting is the likes of Kandel and, and Hodnick coming in mm. and taking off O'Mahony and Carberry was taken off as well. Mm. And then Crowley was the man to finish the game. So these younger guys, it looks like Roundtree is trying to push them through, mm. which is needed I think and like that yeah finishing out a big European game when they could easily have lost mm. at the end but it's these young guys that are yeah getting them over the line whereas there's been a lot of talk in the last uh, number of years about the, where is the next group of monster players or you yeah. know are they coming through and so yeah it's, it was a big win for them yeah just on those young guys guys before we move on and look at the rest of the game big decision before the game and they were the squad was announced to drop Conor Murray and Keith Earls out of the squad Conor Murray is fit and ready for selection and he dropped him and I mean Paddy Patterson has been playing well I so he's going he's, yeah. he's going by form I mean, I'd love to have Greg in here this week to see what his thoughts are but Craig Casey played well had a great game and Paddy Patterson so he is looking <coughs> to the future and kind of I think it's a message to the whole squad isn't it that I mean Conor Murray is Conor Murray like I mean, three times line tourless 100 caps for Ireland fit and ready to go and he's dropped from the squad completely so it's an interesting one isn't it it's interesting, but I like it that um, it's kind of a bit comes back to Gavin Coombs. I assume he's alluding to like Ty Byrne gets always played a match, so you're kind of doing it on um, not anything but a profile. And he deserves at, at times like he's he's actually been a leader. But like you can't stand on past performances mm. or the other or the, your name. Like mm. you have to bring something. Now I can't under like I'm not going to take anything away from the two lads. They're absolutely so highly decorated, world class players. But right now, do we know any more about them? Should they maybe get that time to just reignite that fire? And make, you always have to be improving, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're not working towards something, your your strengths it's every only as day. Good as your last game, exactly. Mm. So I think right now we know so much about the lads, and it's time to to take a chance. And we said this, you know. And Graham Roundtree is kind of he's rewarding. It's going to build a lot, a lot of good culture within that squad, and and I think the momentum and and experience they'll get. But what do you think? Yeah, I fully agree with you. Like the two of them. Are monster legends in Ireland as well, and yeah, they've they've proven it in the past. But the guys that come in, like Craig Casey, has been playing really well. Calvin Nash and Shane Daly on the wings mm. were very very good, and so yeah, like those guys do deserve a chance. And yeah, if you are dropped, you're you're gonna have uh, that fire in the belly to get back in there. So yeah, yeah great round two. Like yeah, you have to mix it up a bit. You have to rotate the squad. You have to give lads chances and guys that are in form you got to let them play. Just if someone has X amount of Ireland caps, it doesn't mean they have to be guaranteed a place. No. And uh, yeah, one thing on that though, I think watching the game, I think Craig Casey was playing the way Conor Murray would have been told to play with Munster. So I, I saw him like kicking so much in their own half, like Carberry and Casey, like kick, like box kicking. Just, mm. I'd love to see Craig Casey just playing on the front foot, what he's good at. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Versus Munster from the outside looking in, it looks like, 
they practice a lot of box kicks out of their own half, which Conor Murray has done for years. Yeah. And Craig Casey's gone in. That's what he's doing. But that's not his game. So I would love to see him like just getting on the front foot, playing on the front foot. And, you know, people are talking about the new monster attack or whatever. Mm. As I said, I think there's lev- they've levels to go yet, which is good. But Craig Casey, like, get him playing on the front foot. Yeah. Ryan, I liked you before that, but I love you even more. <laughs> well, I think as well, you're making a great point there, though, because if you look at Ireland and their, their <coughs> attack at the moment, Jamison Gibson Park has been given that freedom by Andy Farrell. Yeah. Now, sometimes it doesn't quite work out for him, or sometimes are like, okay, you should probably should have kicked it there. And he does, and he makes mistakes. Yeah. But like nine times out of ten, it works out for us. Mm. And you're like, if you don't try, like, you ain't going to get anything out of it. Like, And if you keep trying the same thing, and he's so much different, and Ireland's attack now under Gibson Park, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I think Craig Casey is, and we've had this chat before, in my opinion, I'd much prefer him both if I was playing with him and to as a as a spectator, like as a fan, mm. because I think it's so hard to play. And when you're, you know yourselves from playing, like if a quick, if a ball's gone in a, in a rook and you're trying to get back on side to get in your defensive line, it is exhausting. It's mentally, you're like, oh Jesus, lads, when are we going to get a break here? Mm. So I think he's exceptional. The only thing is, I suppose, is now game management. I think obviously the card we got turned over trying to play out was 22. Yes. So now we like don't actually make mistakes in the in our red zone where you can get turned over, mm. but make mistakes within your orange and your green zone where it's, it's not as detrimental to the score or possession or obviously Gloucester got a score or Northampton got a score off that so but I think it's it's brilliant and I'm glad you said it because mm. it's time to exit but don't deviate from why you're in there Craig Casey like mm. play and yeah, it's lovely you want to go back to that kind of robotic kind of a play either like and back to uh, kick the ball in the air Van Grand kind of a thing like and lump up with your forwards but that's not what we want to go back to but someone as well I wanted to mention before we move on from the uh the Munster game mm-hmm. is Mike Haley, another another phenomenal performance. A guy I probably should have mentioned last week and chatting to a lot of people during during the week, kind of thinking he's a guy that I, I think should be in contention for the Ireland squad because he's in the form of his life at the moment, isn't he, Brian? Yeah, he's a really good player. He's playing very well. He's really good at carrying the ball when it is kicked deep, like a lot of rugby these days, lots of kicks. So he's good at carrying that ball back. Um, when you mentioned the Ireland squad as well, I think like we were chatting before, and Mac Hansen is another guy who's incredible. And yeah. him at fullback the last day for Connacht. I think he's just going to be the Connacht fullback from now on. Like Do you think he so? Was, he was class. Yeah. And he's done it for Ireland already. Like he's he's in the Ireland squad. Oh yeah, he's so, there no matter what, yeah. So he now is Mike Haley for sure. Yeah. Is playing really well, but mm. I think Matt Hansen is yeah, he could well be that. What, that what do you think, Lindsay? Is it just back. me being too monstery? Like, I mean, or no, do you think I there's think a genuine Mike, case there? For no, I think we discuss players that even should get into squad and see how they go. Mm. Do you know? He got way? one cap. He played against Italy. Was it just before the last World yep. Cup? That's only. That's only. Ch- he hasn't been given a chance. No, mm. and I think he's. You know, we want to reward lads who are on form, and mm. I think he deserves to be in camp and see how he gets on. And. I have to agree. I I looked at Connacht Reeve and I thought Mac Hansen was a man with you know who was possessed. He was involved in mm. everything that Munster or that Connacht did so well, and uh, it's just another strength to his bow, really. And I know he kind of in media the last couple of weeks said his, his form has dipped and he needed something well boy you've mm. brought it back at the factor in as well that's brave in the Challenge Cup like a, a different course. kettle of fish if he's playing full back against Wales <clears> or England <throat> or France or Scotland or even Italy you know? yeah because there was one try brave scored now and John Porch bit in and I and actually um, Hanson was ahead of Porch so I was like right as your full back and obviously mm. I'm a, a forward but I was like surely your position and now where were you because you should have come into the line outside mm. Porch if he was coming in or come inside Porch and filled yeah. the line so 
I'd be afraid that because yeah. I, I haven't seen I didn't see much of that game at all I haven't seen much of Mac at fullback obviously because he hasn't played much there but like I'd be worried like I don't want to go down the route of someone like Jordan Larmour who's a brilliant player but he's not a great fullback because you just can't trust him defensively but whereas he's a world class winger and so is Mac at international level mm-hmm. whereas I think someone like Mike Haley would be like Hugo Keenan Hugo Keenan isn't the flashiest fullback in attack but he's just safe as houses and his positioning, his defensive reads, his under the high ball. Mm. Whereas I think Mike Haley could fill that role if anything happens. I think, look, don't get me wrong, I think Keenan is miles ahead of Mike Haley. Mm. But I think behind Mike Haley, or probably behind Mike Hugh Keenan, I think Mike Haley's the best specialist fullback in the country at the moment. 100%. And he's a guy that, if anything does ever happen to Keenan, please God, doesn't. <laughs> but you've got someone in there, whereas I don't know if you, I don't know if you could... Look, I'd still have to see more of Mac, but I wouldn't be relying on, like, before we, we put someone like Jordan Larmour in there, and I just don't think he can cut it at test level as a fullback, whereas I think Mike could. No, and the thing about Jordan Larmour, and, and we might, towards the end of the show, and talk about Six Nations, but, you know, he's back to his best at wing, but he's still, I don't think, up to the level if we have everyone fit. Yes, yes, And I yes. wouldn't put him in fullback. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't put Mac in fullback right now, but I think it's another string to his bow and it's confidence with Coniston. It's, it's not a bad option. No, it's like, not a bad I mean, option. With that back three, as many options as possible. I mean, for a long time, we relied on the kind of the same kind of back three for a long time now we've got we don't know who goes where like which is great and with James Lowe gone away now at the moment like he's gone back to New Zealand mm, um, that's the, sad I don't know we don't know what it is yet well, hopefully everything's okay back home but if, we're, if he's out for the Six Nations now like because New Zealand isn't exactly around the corner like it's a long way to get back and yeah. we'll see how that goes but moving on <coughs> obviously we could talk about Munster all day and I know Pat will just get out <laughs> to me if I talk about Munster all day but I could if you want we can do a full show on Munster but moving on to yeah probably not the best of games uh, I remember watching this game myself, the La Rochelle and Ulster 7-3. Did you watch it, Lindsay? I mean, no, it's probably one of the few games I didn't. You, I kept an eye. You didn't miss much. No, lads, if you saw the te- the house, the men's was in the front room, the yeah. women's was on the telly, and I'm going in between. There's children falling off. I can give you five-second highlights anyway. Uh, uh, a duck kicked a penalty in the, what was it, the 68th minute? Mm. And then La Rochelle. I mean, I feel so bad for it. So it was 81 minutes when they got their try. Not the best of affairs, but I think that's also pretty much gone now, unfortunately, is it? I think unless I think they get a home bonus point win, is it? Is it? Next week, they uh, yeah, have a chance of qualifying. But, but other results, it's not really. Yeah, yeah, it's out of their hands. Other, it's out of their hands, yeah. Okay. But if they, okay. win, if they win, they have a chance. I think, yeah, Claremont have a tough game. So if they win, they're, Claremont are away in South Africa. So right. if Claremont lose, Ulster win maybe with a bonus point, they're in there. But uh, yeah, do, difficult for Ulster. Like I thought they did so much well in that game. Yeah, they were away they from home as well. Remember that as well against the champions. Against the champions. They had a good few entries into the 22. They were very unlucky in the first half because... La Rochelle gave away yellow card Ulster mm. were driving malls at the line gave away more penalties I thought they should have had a penalty try in the first half that yeah. was Nick Timoney wasn't it and then yeah. they did try disallowed no? two tries disallowed didn't they they yeah. did one from uh, Timoney and then the Rob Little try as well like so yeah yeah so I thought they were lucky not to get a penalty try, you know, score in the first half, and they did so much well. I thought Ian Henderson was incredible. He's he back. He's in fairness so in the last few weeks. Good. He's back, and we, we, we people forgot because he has he hasn't been in and about the Ireland squad because he's been injured. And he's like, had an awful oh, run. He, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, get him back. I mean, he's gonna be back in. Like, I mean, I think he could be fighting to be starting in the Six Nations again. I don't know. I mean, you're probably gonna have Ty Byrne and James Ryan there, but. Ian Henderson, you know, it's, well, still, it's Ian Henderson at the end of the day, like, you know. I mean, well, this is the thing. And then you're like, if you're talking about the background, you're starting McCombs. Like, you could see Ian Henderson come in for that leadership role in the second row if you, if O'Mahony's the one to maybe say, for example, make way and you kind of have Doris Coombs, Vanderfleer. You know what I mean? 
is that the way you're going to go? So it's lovely to have options. But then, oh, we've so many options now, like a fit and ready Henderson back again. So, I mean, Henderson can play six or in the second row, same with Byrne. Mm-hmm. And like you've got the likes of uh, Bard can play there as well. So it's nice that we have these the utility yeah. forwards that can kind of go, well, he can go six or second row. Like, mm-hmm. and that's huge. England did that for years with the likes of Courtney Laws and do it with a toe and stuff. And especially when you, Pat, how many t- players can you bring to, is they upped it now from 31 players to 35? 33, or 33, is it? Is it? For yeah, the World Cup. Yeah. But yeah. still, that's not a huge squad. When you go into a World Cup, 32 players isn't a lot. And I know they've extended the World Cup now and they've made it, um, it's been played out over extra weeks mm. so that you have to have a minimum six days rest now. Six six days, Pat, isn't it? At it's least a, five. At least five. Yeah. So between five and six days rest. But like, you kind of need players in like a Henderson and stuff who's a utility forward. You need a utility back in there as well as in, there's no such thing as being a specialist player anymore. Like you, <laughs> you have to be able to play at least three positions. Minimum two positions on your CV, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that will, that's kind of thing that will factor him in like, and that's why you bring players like that in. Well, it's very hard to list the third three. I did it during the Autumn Nations for something else. And I was like, I actually couldn't. And I was picking utility players, kind of that yeah. thing. Who you, who do you have on the, on the bench, on the high bench that can come in and cover a number of positions if you have injuries and have that experience. So it's actually good luck. Big players are going to miss out. Like mm. That's the level of competition that we have in the country. At the yeah. moment. It's, it's a good complaint, really, isn't it? 100%, yeah. But uh, hopefully, anyway, hopefully, I mean... Hopefully Ulster can get a result because it'd be a pity to see them because they started the season so well, didn't they? Like they do kind of they really have faltered the last few weeks, haven't they? Yeah, they've fallen away quite a bit. They they got that win in Connacht, which I was disappointed with as at the game myself <laughs> as a Connacht fan. But uh, yeah, Connacht let that one slip. But yeah, Ulster have fallen away. But yeah, as I said, that last game in La Rochelle, they really showed a lot of heart, a lot of fight, and they did so much so well. So yeah, it'd be great to see them get into a, a last sixteen and yeah. Sale won't be easy you know? I mean I know Sale that they lost by is a bonus point loss against um, Toulouse wasn't it yeah. but they got is it two red cards they had in that game wasn't it or no they, sorry they lost both their props their red, their pop, one of their props went off injured another pop then got red carded so like they that didn't reflect the game so Sale are flying pretty high in the Premiership and, and Sale are looking to win that to get into the last 16 yeah, so, so it's not a gimme for Ulster no not at all it's going to be a tough game no matter yeah. what for Ulster like, and I know and I I'm know. thinking does this reignite their season or do they kind of bow out and kind of then finish off maybe even make Champions Cup maybe I could run with that mm. and then concentrate on the they're URC still in, they're well. still in with a chance for the, to, to, to win the URC because they're only four no so they're still in with a chance to get into the playoffs and win the URC so do they put all their eggs into one basket and focus back on the URC or see or but then again they're going to give it hell for letter this weekend and I hope to God that results go their way but it'd be nice to see be nice to see the three Irish teams get through like no matter what like Mm -hmm. I know one of them is already there we're going to move on to your lovely Leinster I mean they're just mutants I mean uh, what was I reading there how many tries did they score in the first three games oh no well seven in the the last (laughs) time I think they've got something like I don't know I think they'd like eight I think there's something like 30 something 30 tries scored or something so I mean another seven tries yesterday away from home I mean in the shed in King's home Gloucester, like they're a good side. That's a tough place to go. They they didn't have like a, a crappy side out like that. They had a strong side out. All their big boys were playing, but the Leinster still and they had two yellow cards in the game. Pat wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and two penalty tries. And two penalty tries, and they're still running seven tries to win 49-14. Yeah. What you make of it? Well, I tell you, I was intrigued with the Harris Ringrose uh, battle. That was uh, that was great. Obviously. Um, 
you know, Harris lines, you know, so much experience. And they, like Gloucester was a lot different um, animal than they were, obviously, when they came to Dublin. Mm. Their line speed was exceptional. I mean, they, Leinster were still, they were sublime. Like their line out Troy with Doris Putt and Lamb are true. Um, Alatoa with the kind of, again, reverse back off a, of a, of a quick tap. Um, so I just think, and then Kelleher comes on and scores another try after getting two in Dublin against Gloucester. It, they just are a team, a well-oiled machine. I thought Jamie Osborne was absolutely exceptional. His running lines, his running lines even for the Jordan Lammer try. You know, mm. When someone's running at you, like I have him and then you're like, where's the ball? And it's he's just only a kid, like. He's 21. A, he's only a kid. But I was, I was watching um, Brian O'Driscoll and Delalio and uh, Craig Doyle yesterday on the, the highlight show. Like, I'm saying he's six foot four. Six foot four and he's a good bit of filling out to do like. Yeah. And he's already, and he's already strong. And he doesn't even look that big. I mean, he looks like a guy for the future, doesn't he? Yeah, for sure. Although there are so many centres in Ireland. But he's, he's a kid. He's 21. Yeah. So yeah, 100% like yeah. going forward. But uh, yeah, when you think of, if you talk about Ireland squads and some people saying like, oh, he could be in the Ireland squad, I think it's too far too soon for him. But yeah, you look at the centre depth chart that's in Ireland mm. now, it's mad. Yeah. yeah for so long, we've just had two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just now it's like eight or nine. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just looking here, Pat, it was 22 tries in three games. Have Munster even scored 22 tries this season, have they? In the last <laughs> no, three years, maybe. <laughs> 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 Not yeah, I mean, but uh, like another one I think was an interesting, like Delalio and uh, O'Driscoll were looking at Bardis, or not Bardis, at Doris yesterday. Mm. And like O'Driscoll said that he thinks Doris is going to be Ireland's most important player over the next couple of years. Yes, oh, I agree. He thinks he's going to be our best player at the World Cup. And Delalio looking at it as Delalio, one of the greatest aces for the game. He's just like, that guy has it all. He said he even sees him as a future captain as well. Because mm-hmm. he just thinks he has it all. For a guy to be... That clever, that big, that strong, soft hands. I, like, is there anything? He has the, they even said that they reckon, the board of them said that they reckon he's a guy that could be up in the echelons of a Kieran Reid in the next couple of years. Or even like, well, look, look at some of the top eights we've seen in the last yeah. few years. But that's how high, they, they reckon his ceiling is, there is no ceiling for him. That's how good he can get. And he's already incredible. Incredible, and he looks like a guy who's just loving his rugby and mm. like there's no pressure on him. And that's the thing about Leinster, I think there's such... A depth, experience, a cohesion, a culture there that they just are never like Jamie Osborne. I watched him against Osprey. Saudi had a mare. He came back as a mature, experienced mm. player to bounce back. Doris, he's just exceptional. As a joy to watch, and obviously as a fellow Mayo man, you'll you'll have a, a soft spot there from. But um, I think you're right. I think there is no ceiling for this guy. I think he is going to be like Jamie Heaslip. Obviously was forced into retirement and he was one of our greatest players to have played. Mm. And you think for so long, no one's going to fill those shoes. And finally, we have someone who's probably not only going to match him, but surpass him. I think so. I think he yeah. has a, like he's, is he 24, Pat? Is all, is all Doris is now? Yeah, probably 24. 24. 24. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got plenty left in him. I mean, could be the, the, the best player to come out of me, what do you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe a tight one, yeah. <laughs> you tight one, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, 100%. He's unreal. He's unreal. And yeah, you see, every game, he's just such a key player. On the ball, he's so good and has it all. Mm. Good in the line out as well, like both sides of the ball and yeah 100% he's he's going to start for Ireland at 8 and he's yeah, yeah key key player but if you were picking a Lions team tomorrow like he'd be your 8 wouldn't he yeah 100% and you'd, and you'd have Andrew Fleer at 7 like and maybe Conan at 6 as well be an Irish back row anyway probably for the bench and for replacements for and sure. starting but he's actually even smart around the breakdown and uh, I don't know many turnovers he's caused by just actually grabbing the Nines arms mm. you know and frustrating yeah. them and he's so smart decisions he makes and that's I think the calmness that 
is so central to that pack. Yeah. Um, and just another unassuming leader. Like he doesn't do a lot of chatting. He's very much actions exactly what that needs to do and does the simple things extremely, extremely well and gets players into the game. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favourite players. I, yeah. have to say. I think the only thing that I'd be worried about is if he has that history of concussion. I hope that doesn't yeah. come back to haunt him. Because he's had a few bangs, he's had to step down a few times. Mm, yeah. He now wears his protective headgear. You know, that's the thing I would be worried about. I really mm. hope a guy who's 24 who has the ability to go on to be the best eight in the world. That's and yeah. I'm saying that like he, he he does have the ability to go on to be the best eight in the world. So I just hope that that doesn't affect him because you want to see guys that like we saw unfortunately what happened with Dan Levy. And I mean, like how good was Dan Levy going to get? Like how good was he before he got injured? And like, and we never got to see him. We never got to see that that year in 2018 when Dan Levy was like probably our best player in the Six Nations, won a Grand Slam. Like there was talks, him got on to to start for the Lions. Mm. We just never got to see that. So hopefully that doesn't happen to Lars, and hopefully we see him play it for another ten years another 10 or so, years, if yeah. not longer. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed. Captain's Alliance. That's what I think you captain could Captain's Alliance. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. Captain <laughs> of the Lions. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. We'll come back now in a few years. So. <clears throat> That'll be your prediction. So Greg's prediction is that Munster are going to go on to win Highland Cup this year and yours is. Oh. Your one's a bit more realistic I think to be honest yeah. with you. And you know what? I think to celebrate that and his captaincy the next Lions tour we're going to go on a, <laughs> on a house of rugby road trip. That's it. There you go. There you go. But uh, there's a pop in a good point there in the script that uh, I think is interesting. Um, would we be worried about Leinster going into the last 16 and going into the quarterfinals, semifinals, that once again, they haven't, still haven't really been tested this year in Europe or the URC. Yeah, you know, this to I, now. I yeah. feel like yesterday, over the weekend, that Leinster were like in third gear because they knew they could be in third gear. Yeah. Like that first half, they ran in the try off the line out, ran in another try, and it just looked like they were just at a training run. Mm. And because they didn't need to do anymore, like they could easily have gone up two levels like they're like the test team. They're like mm-hmm. the Irish team, essentially. And so you'll see all those players at a completely different level. I think I know come Six Nations. So, yeah, like Leinster, it's like they're just winning games at a canter. But, you know, they know what's coming down the line. The coaches know. Everyone knows yeah. like La Rochelle, Toulouse, these big teams. So I don't think it's that they're going to be called cold and unexpected like not going to expect what's mm. coming like they know what's coming so. but it hasn't helped them the last few years people forget like we're going on about Leinster every week oh my god they're amazing they're unstoppable yeah. they haven't won nine cups since 2019 last. they've lost I know they've been to finals and semi-finals but the last three have been won yeah. by different teams they're they're losing at the last hurdle because mm. but yet all of those seasons they've they were, they're sorry they didn't win the URC last year but they won the the Pro 4 teams three years in a row before that yeah. or four years in a row mm. so they were unbeatable not beaten same in the, the in the group stages they put 50, 60 draws past everyone, but then they're losing. So, like, they haven't actually won it since 2019. So, yeah, but you'd someone, be worried. You would, because someone said, actually, was it, was it maybe Brother just because, like, Leinster are the actual best team to do your video analysis on because they 100%. show you everything. Yeah. And mm. I think we saw that with Ron Nagarin. And I think I remember saying this on the <clears> show. He's the one man I would fear. It was, you're not fearful of yeah. the La Rochelle players, but you're fear of the psyche yeah. mm. of the coach and how he dismantled Leinster. And right. that's where you cannot train. You cannot train for that no. unless the lads and Stuart Lancaster kind of get someone in and review themselves. And I think if, you know, you're kind of you brought it, I, I watched it on your page. Like if someone think about the opposition and what they would not want you to do or what yeah. so they need to look at the what opposition see in Leinster and attack them yeah. in a train. And that's the only way they're going to get ready, because I think they're never going to be rugby tested if they're allowed play. But yeah. what happens, their psyche and their game and their plan B and C, if that 
is if they're restricted. They're almost too good for their own good. It sounds 100%. stupid. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but they're almost too good for their own good, aren't they? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's uh, I'm not sure. I was chatting to a player in Leinster, and they were saying that over COVID, that it was a crusader. They were working with the crusaders, and they were talking to each other about how they would beat each other. Oh, very good. And I remember so, seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, and so that is you know where it's at for Leinster mm-hmm. and they need to look at because like you said O'Gara is going to have a plan yes. or La Rochelle or Toulouse yeah. these teams that are coming down the line they're going to have a plan and it's not going to be they're not going to play the way every other team plays and let Leinster just do what they want to yes. do and so yeah they need to look at how are these teams going to come against us how would we beat us that's mm-hmm. what Leinster will have to be asking themselves yeah, and I think looking at the game you know one area they'll be disappointed with is their mall defence like they gave away two penalty tries and so it was terrible <clears throat> you know so that's that's something like there is still definitely areas they can get yeah. better at yeah because sure. the mall is a difficult one because if you decide to go up in the line out like actually for the second one like Keeneally had James Ryan up and then as a lifter you have to get down and try and smash them all so he literally you could see James Ryan absolutely fly the other side of the mall so now you're down a man and you just need all your weight and with malls it's just like you know yourselves it's just like time and you have to either dismantle it don't go up dismantle it or if you're going to go up you want to disrupt the ball so I kind of think that yeah they were kind of in this grey area where they were challenging not winning the ball and then they were down like they'd three like what definitely one man two men less on yes. feet to hit you know so yeah I think it, but it's nice to have something to work towards yeah, you know exactly we're look good, another good result for Leinster we yeah. won't get but I can't believe we're giving all about Leinster being too good for their own good like, but that's the level we've got to yeah. with them the kind of analysis yeah. where you're trying to understand Leinster as they are like they are the best team in the world Yeah, Victor. if you were to pick a team at the moment like just be I know La Rochelle are the champions and I know they haven't won it but like if you were to pick out the best team in the world now you'd pick Leinster mm. maybe the Crusaders but I think Leinster the Crusaders don't have much competition enough to do you know what I mean? And I know yeah, it's, I know it's yeah. warranted. I think you, you would put Leinster because the teams have played and what they've done. But um, looking at the other notable results in the Champions Cup, uh, Harlequins lost 30-29 to Racing. That was a, a great game. They a massive comeback game, in the yeah. second half, but unfortunately couldn't hang on. Um, Marcus Smith. I saw some, there was an, inter- an interesting tweet. It was a Pat, you sent that in with uh, Austin Healy calling out Squid Rugby for a, a charity boxing match because he didn't agree with some of the decisions and some of the tweets they were putting out. So Austin Healy had a bit of a fun weekend. He like he he's, he he regularly comments on uh, Rugby Joe on social media, so he's as fiery as he is on television oh, yeah. as he is on social media. <laughs> you need these people in the world to keep it yeah, lighthearted. I know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, big one on Friday. Leicester absolutely smashing Claremont away, putting forty points past them. Yeah, no one expected that. They needed that because they haven't been great since Bortwick left, so that's a big boost for them. Um, Edinburgh beat Cass away. That's a big result because Cass are a tough side to beat at home, like they always have been. Yeah, they they don't travel as Munster. Munster for some reason always get drawn with Cass and they can never travel but they're a tough team to play yeah. at home like 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 most French sides um, the South African sides absolutely flying it Sharks have already qualified the last 16 with the Stormers and the Bulls mm-hmm. more than likely to join them so that's all three of them through like so they're, they're continuing to defy the odds yeah. well yeah I saw something there this morning there was a, a report there in uh, the 42 by Murray Kinsler saying that um, when we get to the semi-final stages that they won't be permitted to have home semi-finals if they get through. So that was a deal that they'd already struck with them. They said they'll obviously reassess it if it's two South African teams, but they're allowed to have a home last 16 yeah. and a home. But like the way they're going at the moment, there's a good chance that if they qualify, that they will be seeded for a home semi, but they'll have to play it in Europe, which is huge. Well, it's huge considering how successful they were in the URC. And I know European competition mm. isn't, you know, they're not equal as such to compare, yeah. but uh, it would be harsh. But look, to get into the competition and do well, 
there's going to be teething problems. Mm. And if you're good enough to win, you do it away. But, you know, when teams are having 40 hours travel, it's not ideal for your no. preparation, your, your nutrition, your rest. So, look, we'll watch the space. But they're doing well. It was, you know, we had that question mark over them. How would they, you know, embed into the European competition? And as mm. South African teams do, they're, uh, yeah. they're definitely it's, 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 making it's, a name for taking themselves. Taking away that home, like potential home semi, like it's huge because, like, look at their record at home in the URC and their record at home in the Champions Cup. It's... Like if they had that home to me, like you, we could have been looking at a South African champion, couldn't we? Yeah, big time. I wonder if the URC, or sorry, the uh, Champions Cup yeah. organizers kind of thinking, geez, uh, we don't want to just an all South African final, so maybe let's throw them off a bit and bring them for the semi final and bring them up to Europe. <laughs> I think they just, yeah, uh, framed it that they could just like see how they'd uh, mm. compete this year and then reevaluate yeah. next year. But it's good though, it's then as in obviously, like it's good for the, I think it's good for the competition itself. Well, look, it depends on whether you're a traditionist or not. Like some mm. people don't like the fact that. Uh, South Africa being brought into a European competition because it is still the Heineken European Champions Cup. Mm -hmm. So some people don't like that. But in terms of a buy-in, like if you're the South African franchises and the fans and stuff, like to see them doing so well in it and seeing them competing in it, it's just going to put more eyes in the Champions Cup and it's just going to make the competition even bigger and even more prestigious and make it more difficult to win, which is, is that not what we want? 100%, yeah. You just want good rugby. Yeah. You so know, you just want to see good rugby. So yeah, bring exactly. them in. You know, next 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 stop so is going to be South Africa in the Six Nations, Seven Nations, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> rugby has been strange in the last three years, so let's yeah. not rule it out. Let's not rule it out. <laughs> um, before we move on to the women's interpose, obviously we have to check in on the Challenge Cup. Connacht, we already discussed it earlier on. Connacht absolutely smashed Breve. 61-5, obviously Mac Hansen was great. Um, I saw Troy there. I only saw highlights now and I saw the uh, quick penalty from Carty over to Porch. Oh, what a try. Obviously, you watched that game. What you make of it? Yeah, I went to the game. Oh, you went to it? Oh, excellent. Yeah. And yeah, like I say, Jack Hardy was class. Uh, John Porch, Mac Hansen. Yeah, Connacht were Alex playing brilliant Wooden. rugby. He got Alex a hat -trick. Yeah, he was, 100%. He was very, very good. Really good. Has been yeah. playing as much in recent weeks, but really, He's a great really player. Good. I was very surprised in months to let him go on the first place. He's a great player. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's playing really well. And yeah, it's just good to see Connacht back playing the way that they do. Playing mm. really good rugby, uh, moving the ball, throwing the ball around and yeah, clocking up a big score but yeah that's something that they can really aim at that challenge cup you yeah. know there's them the ninth and 10th place teams from the the champions cup come in yes. to the challenge cup but they can definitely have a crack at winning that I think so I think it'd be a nice and you know what, actually Josh Murphy and uh, Niall Murray partnership in second row is nice mm. um, it's nice to see because Josh Murphy obviously when Leinster let him go he was kind of a good player but it's nice to see him getting consistency and Peter Dooley there as Lou said as well and it was a nice team like it was a mm. good it was a really really exciting nice performance to mm. watch I watched it in full and yeah Connacht I think anytime we see Connacht and we're kind of reviewing them they have these sublime performances really express themselves but it's the inconsistency we yeah. kind of see in them mm. um, so yeah if they can kind of get a run in the cha in the Challenge Cup I think yeah they have a tough one there I mean what would they do there I mean so like they're kind of teetering in around like was it ninth or 10th at the moment like so there's a chance of them pushing into the top eight mm. and getting Champions Cup next year or do you put all your eggs into the Challenge Cup I know you can kind of like I don't need to have the squad to really attack both competitions no. would they kind of go okay let's let's have a real go at winners from Silverware or let's kind of just leave it the way it is and try and climb that URC and uh, what's better with, I mean if you're a Connacht fan you're going to take a trophy over yeah. getting into the Champions Cup next yeah. year aren't you 100% oh, you want you know? a trophy yeah and players too want to win trophies of course yeah. you know plus you want to attract new players yeah. do you know yeah. like you know you've done so well with your signings but like you want to attract Connacht as not only you know 
the club, but like actually an ambitious club who'll win silverware. And and I think it'd be nice for the, mm. to be honest, they've always been the bridesmaid, never the bride. And I'd That's love it. to see them bring home a trophy. They've done an excellent job as well on the Challenge Cup over the last few years of making it not just a secondary competition. It's kind of its own separate entity mm-hmm. now. And like the finals weekend, that's also with factoring as well, is it's on, it'll be on the Friday and then the Champions Cup final on Saturday. The Challenge Cup final's on in Dublin this year. So that's a huge advantage. If you get there, it's on in Dublin. Like, and if you end up with a French team or something, then Connacht are playing in the Aviva. And like, that's going to suit them. Like, and they're used to playing there. You know, yeah, they've played plenty of games out. there. Imagine sure. a sellout for Connacht now. So, Challenge Leinster Munster yeah. in the final in the Champions Cup. So, and then <laughs> Connacht. Ulster, Ulster will drop down into this one and be Connacht and Ulster in the Challenge Cup final. There you go, Pat. There you go. Right down. I don't want to we'll fight with there. you and Greg now when we're in the final. <laughs> Family, the family will be family, dismantled. Family dismantled. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on quickly before we, we start the fight. Um, oh, sorry, we're back to Munster and Leinster again. I forgot about the Interpros. Oh, finally, Munster actually beat Leinster in a, in a rugby game. Oh, lads, I'm <laughs> still not over it. I am still not be, over it. The men can't do it, but the women did it and they did it well. They did it 26-17 at Musgrave Park. I think we kind of called that like that. I said they were going to have that advantage yep. playing in the 4G and playing down in Cork. But uh, you, you obviously you watched that, did you? I did, and I was kind of surprised. I was, um, <coughs> I expected a rip-roaring battle. Um, but if I'm honest with Leinster, I was kind of surprised. I thought their line speed wasn't, Munster's line speed was excellent. I think they targeted the breakdown, uh, which Leinster were kind of slow to. Um, very narrow around the rook. Uh, but it was, a, it was a great game. It was a great advertisement. And it was a typical Munster-Leinster. Um, like, we started off so well. Jenny Murphy got us on the scoreboard after, like, four minutes. But then, yeah... Just Claude Halloran, uh, actually a nice opportunist try. It was just a, someone had left a pillar and up she picked at the rook and just got it over the line. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah good and try. Stephanie Carroll, who I play with, um, with Railway, was as much as it kills me to say, Steph, Steph, it was great to see you back playing in a monster. She hadn't played the round before. Yeah. She's had a run of injuries um, and it was obviously her back playing. She got on the, the try to seal the win for them. So I thought Nicole Cronin was exceptional. Um Dorothy Wall for Munster. Um, Great player. Uh, yeah, Alana. Yeah, there was just some, yeah, there was some exceptional performances. Um, Claude O'Halloran, Chloe Pierce come off the bench. She's suffering from injury. Mm. Obviously, the two lassies then, bigger than rugby, um, had some great news after the game. So I just thought it was just, yeah. it was a great advertisement for the women's game and it's, a typical... It's good to see uh, a high-level rugby back playing. It's good to see all these, like you said, there's a lot of people that have been injured or come back in and we're coming into Six Nations, down. I think we're looking like pretty healthy going into Six Nations. Aren't we the way... Play? The whole province, all four provinces are playing like. Yeah, and you know, it's nice to see, uh, not only we chat about the 10 jersey for the men's, like uh, Dan O'Brien obviously was up against Nicole Cronin, mm. who Nicole obviously is, you know, usually a nine, has slipped into 10, has played for Ireland at 10, now Dan is the new up and coming. And then Nicole Fowley, who plays for Connacht, has, is back to her best and has had two cracking games for Connacht over the last two rounds and I think deserves a shout in. So if, if Greg McWilliams is listening, giving Nicole a, a <laughs> chance to come in, so yeah. um, it'd be it. nice. Yeah, Connacht have done well Brilliant. now. We have to mention all you kind of briefly mentioned it like we'll actually have to put a picture and stuff when we're doing this in the edit but um, Claude O'Halloran um, she proposed to her to her teammate Chloe Pierce after the game so like that picture went viral everywhere because it's a class picture to see it after the match in yeah. your gear and she obviously had no idea like to see her face she's so surprised that was well hidden I'd say it was hidden for a well while well hidden and I must get more information on it but I have to say this yeah this that's your job for the week is to find out I what went on and did, I, I, surely the team mess well known surely the rest of the team she must she had to told a few of them to try and set it up but she had to because the lads were like gathered you know around I mean? them for yeah. after and then but lads I must put up a picture Fiona Hayes is I played with Fiona she's in the backroom staff she is absolutely 
dismantle like she's absolutely sobbing yeah. I weld up um, I've obviously played with Chloe she's yeah, an exceptional yeah. player the, the, lads these now you think you and Greg are monster true and true oh they're hardcore Chloe and especially Chloe Pierce is monster to the core so the fact that it, they were both in their monster jerseys they're in Musgrave Park that's why they did it like because it was like, yeah, yeah I it get kills it, I get me it, they I beat Leinster and that's all she, she got back to me she's like yeah well you know <laughs> beating Leinster was the icing on the game I'm just about to say I'd love to know I'm just about to say if they lost with the same thing like cancel it cancel it keep doing away we lost no we'll have to wait till next year next year next year yeah but it's good it's nice I love lots of I love stories like I love to see stuff like that like and especially I think it's even better know that little backstory the fact that they're like hardcore monster that, that makes it brilliant because that's why that they're they're in the they're and you know I mean I to, think they'll get to beat Leinster as well like <laughs> yeah keep rubbing it in there lads right massage it in well, anyway moving on to the other interval um up at Kingspan uh Clara Bennett's Clara Barrett excuse me scored two tries for Connacht as they beat Ulster 25-17 to stay in hunt for the title yeah. so that means we've got Monster and what would be kind of a decider next weekend as yeah so they at. go to the sports ground uh, does it winner take all the ways available work that way or is it yeah it should do it yeah um, well Connacht lost to Leinster in the first round so yeah. everyone has one loss except obviously for Munster so if Munster win it'll be Munster it'll win be, that's it oh perfect yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah perfect he's in it now yeah, but yeah. Well, can we have to win something like we don't win the men the men ain't doing much like so the women can win and to win something for us great well no offence I can't see Munster with their experience and their like like I was very impressed with their performance and how they just grinded it out and they know their roles well they've ex- some exceptional players so um, I think it does help as well the fact that there's so many of them coming from like how many of them come from Bowes um, so they're the playing team. with each other week in week out so yeah. they have that advantage whereas when you're normally you come together as a province when you're with your clubs it's different yeah. to the men's yeah. game they're not with each other non-stop they're only coming together at times yeah. so they have that huge distinct Big advantage out. of being in basically a yeah. week in week out training yeah. together and then Neve obviously yeah, and you know the players around. Yeah. Like it's so helpful just having those combinations and known players. Mm. Yeah. No, it's because it, uh, Neve Briggs obviously is in there. Fiona Hayes. Fiona yeah. Hayes now is head coach of Ballincollig, so it kind of comes in that. And actually, the two dolls would have played together, so they have their philosophy. They're yeah. both monster yeah. uh, in their own right, so that just filters down. And so you know yourselves when you're coming into camp, all that kind of excess foundation work is kind of gone eliminated you can just build mm. from the grass up but um, I will give Connacht a shout out I've, they have been impressive over the last two rounds mm. and I'd love to just see a cracking game I thought they were exceptional one of their tries was absolutely exceptional they went from uh, sideline to sideline when Ava Ryder finished off in the corner and it was it was actually just some lovely traditional rugby and it was a joy to watch so they got a good win on the road um, up in Ulster but Ulster are kind of like mirroring their men's they're just having a bit of a mare at the moment just yeah. need to get a bit of confidence and I think regardless of who wins next week and who gets the title it's brilliant to see such competitive games mm-hmm. and like you yeah. mentioned Greg McWilliams earlier like I'm sure he'd be happy out just like so many players playing well, yeah. such good rugby being yeah. played that it all is going to help, obviously help the national team. Yeah. 100%, 100%, that's what you that's, that's what he needs. You know what yeah. Yeah. He needs competition. That's, that's what you need from these fighting for places. Is what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've sat in limbo for a long time and now they have this Celtic Cup. So it's kind of like yeah. now we're in a little bit of a very mini URC. So we'll go up against um, some Scottish and Welsh kind of combination club teams. And it'll be nice to see where that fits in and help the progression because I think no more than getting experience with the men's, you need yeah. it. You know, and uh, you know yourself, you can train as much as you like, but you cannot mm. replicate match minutes. No, not can't, match you, you can't, no, and you need to get out and play games you can train all you like but if you're not out playing games it's no good to you and that's they've got a nice run of games now to get them in before the success which is what Big they time. need but good stuff um, some other bits before we move on and have a chat with yourself about your book um, the Owen Farrell six week ban oh 
have to talk about that. So his six-week ban that became a four-week ban that became a three-week that became a three-game ban, right? So it, he got reduced from six down to four, and then he gets reduced down to three, right? Listen to this because he gets to attend a tackle intervention program. Yeah. So the England captain, who's a professional rugby player for how many years, gets one game taken off because he gets to go in and learn how to tackle properly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Come on, lads! I mean, yeah. what is this all about, like? Do you think they could do that for the cops with penalty points and cars for us? <laughs> like, we go to driving yeah. skill. So we get a few points taken it, off, we go and do our yeah. tests again, do we? Like, I when mean, you put it into real life, it's kind of farcical, isn't it? Yeah, and then the other thing as well is England sent, Saracens, England sent Saracens a letter saying that they would not need them for their game against Bristol, right? Even though he wouldn't yeah. be in, even though he, like, he wasn't going to play that game, to just so he could serve an extra day, so he's available for the first game against Italy. Yeah, I think it's an absolute disgrace that they are doing it because everyone understands the problems with concussion and what's happening to players. And like you've players suffering from depression and just having like a lot of problems because of this later on in life. Yeah. And we all know it's such an issue. Everyone's aware of it. And then something like this happens and they're clearly saying one thing. Oh, we care about concussion. We care about player welfare. But then uh, uh, the other hand, they're just brushing it under the carpet yep. to get a marquee player yep. to play the game, to yep. play the big game in the Six Nations. Yep. And it nearly doesn't matter what they do. So it's like, yeah, go shoulder people in the head. Yeah. And we'll just, we'll move things around so that we just, you can still play. Of course. You know, so I just think it's it's really bad from, you know, the people at the it top. Looks, it looks terrible. I, th- I think the worst part about that is that Farrell, when he came into his hearing, Farrell denied that it was a red card. I mean, he said that he didn't think it it believed to be a red card. So that's the worst. So this guy is the England captain. So if you're going to be looking, if you're a young kid, you're going to be looking up to any player, it's the England captain. And then looking back on the weekend result, Pat, we might have to clarify this afterwards, but from the games I was watching, there was a red card, two red cards in the Irish game. Kieran Parker, former Munster man, came Mm -hmm. on and got a red card after a minute for (coughs) a stupid uh, shoulder charge into a ruck. There was another red card in that game. There was a red card in the Sale game. There was a red card in the Munster game. All of them were headshots. So mm. there was four. I'm not sure. There was at least four card, red cards over the weekend, possibly five. Mm. There might be another one. Like so, and they were all like blatant. They should have been red cards, and a, a good few yellow cards as well, like like the one in the Munster game. So yeah. uh, the players don't seem to be learning and still don't be listening because there's guys getting headshots every bloody week. Well, we and this is the highest level. This is Champions Cup. Yeah, and I think, like as I said to you, it's not about escape go, but Owen Farrell is such a highly recognised player as an England captain, as the exceptional athlete he is. You need to make an example that no one is above the law. Yeah. And I think obviously, yeah, there's this, like, do we look at it being centralised, which I think it needs to be kind of taken out of the unions because it is farcical now that you would actually basically make up crap yeah. <laughs> yeah. to get a ban off. We should, we, we, what we should do, or what we were saying before this, is like it should be, you should centralise the citing process. So the RFU cited him and got to manage this whole hearing. Yeah. It should be World Rugby. It sh- has to be independent. Yeah. So like the RFU are getting to decide whether or not they're in the England captain plays for the Six Nations. Yeah. I mean, you can't, That that's not fair. It shouldn't yeah. be, and if the same thing happened and it was the RFU, they shouldn't be in charge whether or not Johnny Sexton. It should be completely... Do you know, it's centralised and like it's just where rugby yeah. should manage that. You would think so, but you should also think that the union should have the integrity. Like the RFU should have the integrity. They're the ones who are talking like all these other unions about how much they care about the player welfare, but they obviously don't. So you would hope that the unions have integrity. 
But it's very clear that the RFU don't have integrity. No, it needs to be taken away from them, unfortunately. And so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's it's awful. Really, speaking yeah. of integrity and speaking of the RFU, with uh, some big news this, um, that we came in this morning for us, <laughs> we've been late last night. Yeah. All <coughs> Eddie is back in work. A bit of a surprise one. I mean, Dave Rennie, I don't think he's, I want his record was. I think he's only won something like six or seven. Uh, he's five, five out games out of 14 yeah, or something. Yeah. I, I think, look, come here. He started really well. He beat South Africa. Well, he, did a couple, he beat New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Then like when he lost Cooper, like that kind of destroyed his whole team. I don't think he should have got sacked personally, but Eddie Jones is back in and he's in on a, I don't know how he managed this one. He must have a good age and he's in on a five-year contract. So he's going to get two World Cups out of it and a Lions tour. Oh, Lady ain't finished yet. Eddie is like the the bad guy character in a sitcom that we love to hate, isn't he? He just comes like you knew something was going to happen. Did we going to think? Oh, myself and Pat are just sitting there going, like, "I can't wait yeah. for the clicks." Like, where does her going? Eddie Jones is back. Yeah. We're, just, we're just waiting, as in, like we've got a, a World Cup. We've got like potential. You could have England playing Australia in a quarter final at a World Cup next year. That's the way it looks like yep. it might go. So. Me and Pat are absolutely delighted because we've got so much stuff to write about, and he's a he's a character. You like you you need people like him in the game. Yeah, don't you? I love Eddie Jones. He's yeah. he's one of my favorite coaches <laughs> out there. And like you said, we when he was sacked from England, he wasn't just going to set off in no the sunset way. and not be seen not again. Eddie. So I think even when he got sacked, everyone was kind of saying, "Oh, some other union will pick yeah. him up. He's going to beat England in the World Cup. It's just going to happen." And yeah, how he got in. I don't really agree with the coaches getting sacked. It's kind of like soccer, you know, it's getting a bit that way. Whereas Mm -hmm. like Dave Rennie's just like get sacked and all these other coaches getting sacked, changing coaches. But yeah, look, it's uh, it's brilliant to have Eddie back in the game. He kind of could have brought him in with Dave Rennie, couldn't he? Because it would have helped Dave Rennie then as well. Kind of, you know, maybe he could have brought him in, but I don't think Eddie would. He's not that kind of man, isn't he? Yeah, he could have. But Eddie is a director of rugby in and have would Rennie Mm. would. You see, I don't know. Like, there's two kind of big personalities working alongside each other. I think. Eddie did it in 07 was it with South Africa he came in with Jake White or like yeah. as yeah. an assistant but then that's whatever a lot, quite a while ago 15 years mm. ago so probably anymore he probably Eddie was just like yeah we were just saying it before I think like Eddie Jones's World Cup record so in 2003 he got Australia to the final right yeah and they lost, you know, they lost the Jolly Wicks drop goal. In 2007, he was part of the South African team that won it. 2015, he beat uh, the Springboks with Japan. With Japan, then he and got And then 2019, then he got into the final. So, like, Eddie Jones, that is his competition. Yeah. So, I mean, Australia, we forget that they still have some serious players. To get the likes of Cooper back in there, if he picks the right squad... I mean, they did it back in 2015 as well. I know he wasn't involved then, but they, they got to the final, Australia mm, yeah. did. They have the players that they can kind of... 12 months before a World Cup get the shit together basically so like that, I think that all of a sudden makes them potential contenders now just because Eddie's in there because he just knows World Cups and is it about 20 years since they won it like it's a long time yeah. 23 years Eels was the last time wasn't it 99, 99. Was, yeah. yeah it was John Eels and stuff the last time they won it like, so, so like do you know what? It's exciting, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same. Like, you want to go into a World Cup and we've, we've kind of seen all the, obviously, permutations, right? It's yeah. bringing its own excitement. But now you've any Jones and really from the autumns, right? The return for Dave Rennie wasn't great. They were so inconsistent. But I think Eddie Jones and his personality and his record, I think they could be the winners. Like, it would be, again, this, like, fairy tale ending, like 23 year plus. Until they beat Ireland in the final. Well, yeah, obviously we'll beat them in the final. <laughs> but even for them to get to a final, you know, with all in seven within a seven month block, like we're yep. kind, of, kind of looking at Steve Bortwick and what he could do with England under such time constraint. You're kind of going, no way is he going to do that. But then you bring Eddie and you're like, if anyone can do it, yeah, Eddie can. can. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, look, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But it certainly makes things, if the World Cup wasn't already competitive and interesting enough as it is, it makes it even more competitive, even more interesting and even harder to bloody win. Yeah. Which is not what we want. But that's also what we want as rugby fans, really, isn't it? Yeah. Not as Irish people, but as fans are like, yeah. Well, I think he'll match Razzie, won't he, with a bit of drama and yes. a bit of, you know, yes. between Twitter and whatever. Gives like, us something to write about for the next sort of 12 months anyway. So he I'm won't sugarcoat, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on. We're going to move on, um, kind of stepping away from the, the, the rugby over the weekend and now and move on to yourself, right? So you're our special guest this week. Um, you're a mindset and performance coach. We have your book here, the book on how to become a pro player. I was saying it beforehand, I wish I had this when I was 16 because I think it's too late for me, unfortunately, to and make it too. as a pro rugby player. I don't think I had to, although I think I needed a lot more than this book, to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, you're from, as you said, you're from Balna and Mayo. So Caelan uh, Doris territory, as we said, the most yeah. famous uh, rugby player to come out of there, I'd say. Is there, yeah, anybody else? I don't think there's any other big rugby players came uh, from Mayo. Gavin Duffy was the one when oh, I yeah. was growing Gavin up. Gavin the one who uh, <laughs> player, was from that and then uh, Dave Heffernan as well I played with oh, when Dave I was Heffernan's younger great. Yeah, so, yeah, so Heff's in the Ireland squad now and yeah, so, yeah, he's there's, there's quite a few Heff and Caelan Norris two lads from Balna two so. not bad nice. but um, I'm looking so you were in the Leinster underage setup when you were up yeah, you were involved so with Vander Fleer and Conan and the boys some of the big boys yeah so I played uh, underage say under 18 with Leinster I was in school there in Ross Grey and I was actually involved in the conic system but I was dropped when I was 16 so then I was playing in Leinster went there and then after that I went back to Connacht and then was lucky enough to captain the 20s a team with Robbie Henshaw Jack Harty Kieran Marmee and a few of those boys so it's kind of like a golden age of that underage wow. conic system there's just lots of good players coming together so yeah, spent two years in Leinster, then back to Connacht for a few and played with the Eagles. And then I uh, was up living in Dublin, so I played with Lansdowne, the AIL. You won a couple of titles with them, didn't you? Yeah, 2013, 2015. Not bad. AIL. So, yeah, once again, was lucky to be in just a really good team. Like, yeah. a lot of those guys are now playing with the different provinces. Like, you mentioned earlier, Peter Dooley, mm -hmm. Tyg Byrne, you mentioned he was with us. And then you have Tom Daly, Tom Farrell. And, yeah, just really, really good team. So that was that was a lot of fun those years she's some big names for a play yeah I managed to slot in I was good at calling lineouts, and so I could just uh, I could just call lineouts, and all these other lads would do Listen, all the Brian work Wright. they would do all this brilliant stuff and I just I'd be able to win the line out and then just slot in and just yeah. probably, it's probably one of the most important set pieces yeah. if not the most important set piece of rugby I mean we have some pro guys out there that still can't call lineouts. Like, um, sometimes it lets us out if you're, you're go, your line out caller isn't on the pitch it makes a huge difference makes a huge difference so it's, not, it's, it's a good trick to have in your, up your sleeve but um, what was the fork in the moment in the the role kind of moment for you was it injuries where you stepped away and moved into the yeah, mindset and so coaching I yeah I mentioned there Lansdowne I was 23 when I left Lansdowne I went to the States on a rugby scholarship to play and coach and okay. after six months there I got a very bad shoulder injury oh God. and I was waiting for a surgery it took four or five months but then after the surgery I was rehabbing and it kind of relapsed and during that time I got quite depressed and was yeah really down and this took about 18 months to get the shoulder right I had to then go and get more cortisol injections and it got to a point where I couldn't move my arm Jeez. so I got frozen shoulder then I couldn't move my arm it was like very debilitating I couldn't mm. work out I couldn't do anything and yeah I just went into a really dark place and it was at that time I was 25 I just essentially wanted to feel happy again like I was just so depressed that started reading into psychology, philosophy, mindfulness, spirituality, all this stuff because, yeah, I had been this rugby player who played, was ambitious and mm. was so excited about everything I was doing. And then all of a sudden I couldn't see any Brighton any day. And I was just like nearly like an invalid and I was yeah. just in a bad place. So 
that's when I started reading into all this stuff. And it was, I wasn't even thinking about playing rugby again. I was just thinking about being happy again, essentially. And, you know, I got the shoulder right. I went, you know, got all these, as I said, I got the surgery, didn't work out, got these cortisol injections, got back playing. And I just went back playing for the fun of it. I went, moved to Vancouver, was living in Canada. I was just like, I love playing rugby. So I was like, I'll go back playing. Then all of a sudden, I was just playing the best rugby I've ever played in my life. Now, the standard is lower, don't mm. get me wrong. Yeah. But I was just like, everything was just happening for me. Everything was so easy. I was out in the field. It felt like time had slowed down. It felt like I could do nothing wrong. Nice. Everything was just working. And I was like, man. And then I just realized that the stuff I was learning around, as I said, psychology, mindfulness, all this stuff, it was helping me so much on the field. And like my mindset had changed. Mm. And... Yeah, you know, then I was playing with BC against Canada. I was in the Canada system and I was in line to play with Canada this year before I had to stop playing. But I just realized it was like we were chatting before. I was yeah. like, I wish I learned this when I was younger. Yeah. And I had that, that kind of aha moment or, you know, first I got a little bit frustrated. I was like, if only I knew all this stuff when I was 16, 18, <laughs> well, like, how different it all would have yeah. been. But then, you know, I was just grateful to be playing and enjoying and just having fun and just you know loving life again but then you know I had I have a younger brother who's playing and I was just chatting to different people I just realized that like young players need this like 100% when I was younger like you know nerves get the better of you and then you get anxious you make a mistake during a game and then you're thinking I don't want the ball for the rest Mm. of the game and you hide away because you're afraid of making another mistake you get in your head about things you're on the field you're thinking what will the coach think oh will I get dropped is am I going to play well today you're just worrying about all this stuff and so yeah I just it was as I said it was that was 25 it was kind of 27 28 29 when it all just I just realized it all and so I just decided I have to help younger players and yeah. then so I started my Instagram at Offfield Rugby putting out content there started the Offfield Rugby pod pretty quickly after that where I just mm-hmm. chat to players about their experiences and coaches about you know how they found things what worked well what didn't and then one day I was working with a player one-on-one and I had my books behind me just whatever different books Yeah, and he said to me he's like oh what book would you recommend that mm. I read Brian for my rugby and I was kind of thinking uh, there isn't one yeah, yeah. it's kind of like you know there's a lot I love you know the power now all these different books and I was like ah, well like and I was like let me get back to you and mm. so anyway and then I had been just writing out all these notes for the Instagram the different stuff and the coaching I was doing with players and I just realized then I was like I've probably got kind of three or four chapters here because I'd write out pre-match nerves and just write a load of stuff I'd write out, you know, these different headings. And I just said, yeah, there's a few chapters. And I just said, right, oh, I'll write the book. If, if you were trying to like tell a kid, like, you know, there are reason to pick this up, like, I mean, what would be two or three things you take out of that book kind of like that are key areas that they can learn from? Yeah. So the first thing is I start off with helping players overcome limiting beliefs. So okay. if mm-hmm. if when I work with players and I say, what's your goal? What would you like to achieve in the game? They say, oh, I'd like to do this. And then I say to them, if you couldn't fail, if failure was not an option and you were going to succeed no matter what, what would you like to achieve? Oh, well, if that's the case, I'd like to achieve this. Do you get me? <laughs> so why are you put, yeah. you're, you're, so, so putting a ceiling on yourself before yeah. it even yes. begins? Your fear of failure yep. and your limiting beliefs are what are making you aim at this when you really want to achieve this, but you don't even try. Yeah. So that's the first thing I help players with in the book. And then also different things like pre-match nerves is a huge one. Yeah. 
like players and, and I go through all of it there you know I don't know how much time we have but like I yeah, just yeah, break yeah. it down and just like how to channel those nerves to work w- for you instead of against you and so like players get in their head you, you feel the it in your stomach and you get in your head and so just help players with all that also on the field how to get into the flow state in the zone you know that when it just feels like everything's happening for mm-hmm. you and you can do no wrong and just how you get into that and you know when you make a mistake in a game how to overcome it right away and just yeah. keep playing and all that kind of stuff we'll share obviously your instagram handle when yeah. we we get the show out and uh, like for anyone who's listening or, or watching this like you absolutely even just need to on a baseline follow your page because i had a look at it and the chapter you're referencing i think is chapter 13 where you start with steph curry and you're kind yeah. of saying i want to i want you to take the nerves and you can actually use them in your in for your advantage and steph curry has said that that you know he knows he's ready mm. um so I suppose, how do you tell players to do that? Because I've spoken to teammates where they, I love the nerves. I like, I love that buzz on that high and I know I'm ready. <clears throat> now, that doesn't bode well for the mental side. I was a point guard at basketball. Now, you can only imagine now somebody's up for a game and mental. <laughs> um, rugby's the same thing because it's a very hard game. We've said that to kind of force your way into basketball's different, soccer, a bit more attacking, whereas rugby, you kind of need to be tactical in a couple of phases. But like I love basketball so when you when I saw that with Steph Curry and, and even like on your page it's just I love your pointer so the first thing pick three goals you want before your performance and the first one has to be fun now I'm sure you did the same as I did <laughs> and we said this before the show Brian I was like oh, I forgot about fun for about 20 years of yeah, my career yeah. I everyone does unfortunately yeah. yeah that's a problem like and as soon as you lose that that's the reason you got into any sport in the beginning it's for fun Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the like, whole point of it. That is. So how do you, A, tell players to use the nerves as a tool? And B, how do you change your mindset to be that elite athlete and to have fun? Yeah. So how do you change that? So the big thing with change your mindset around the nerves is you first need to understand that they're good. So what nerves are is a release of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So you get, we have evolved to have a release of adrenaline when we're in a potentially threatful situation. So okay. like when 10,000 years ago, when we were hunter gatherers, you hear a rustling in the bush. It could be something that kills you. You get a release of adrenaline. It allows you to fight, flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. So the freeze is you freeze so the thing doesn't see you. You flight, you run away so you get away from it. Yeah. And the fight, you go and fight it. Yeah. <laughs> And so now when we, before we play a rugby match, we get that feeling as well because it's a potentially threatful situation. So we can uh, fight, which is what you want to use to it for. We can flight and you've probably been there. Whereas you're, you get the nerves like, I don't even want to be here today. Mm-hmm. I, don't, this yeah, is, yeah. I don't want to be here. That's the flight. You want to get out of there. Yeah. The freeze, you've seen it as well. It's like people freeze on the big occasion because of the nerves. But you want to use it to fight. So the first thing, figuratively, within the laws of the game. He's not telling you to go yeah, fighting yeah, in matches yeah, yeah. again. But, this um, is so the first thing is to understand that. So, you, so to understand that when the nerves come, it's adrenaline, which is giving you the energy. What yeah, adrenaline yeah. does is it gives you energy. It stops you feeling pain. Mm-hmm. That's why when you're out in a rugby field, you can hit, you can get hit, and you just keep going. And it gives you more focus. So that's how you can like zone in. Mm. So adrenaline is like a pre or is like um, a drug. It's like a performance enhancing drug. So you really want it. Like Manifest you, it and use it yeah, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. so what you do is you sit down, you breathe. And when you feel that, feel it. Sit there with that feeling yeah. and, and say to yourself, this is good. I want this. Yeah. 
And because you want to go into that, you want to walk into the fire. That's why we play rugby. You yeah. know what I mean? Before a big game, you want to go into that. And so all those feelings, feel them and breathe through it and understand that that's what you want. And that is what will give you the energy yeah. and the fuel. And like I said, it's like a performance enhancing drug that will help you be the competitor that you are out on the field. So it's not something to say, oh, this isn't good. I was I just want to say, it's a right and saying, like a lot of people will like, and I know I wouldn't think a lot of people will say, in that situation, the question you'll be asking is, how do I get rid of this? That's not no, the question you should be no, asking. No, the no. question is, how do I use it correctly? How do I exactly. like, take, take well, control kind of, like of it? You can't get rid car. of it. Yeah. Isn't it really? Adrenaline is kind of like the petrol for your car yeah. now yeah. is what I'm you taking from what you're saying. Exactly. So it's exactly that. When I was growing up, it's like, how do I get rid of it? No, you want to use it. You want to get rid of it. You need need adrenaline to play rugby. Mm -hmm. There's no two ways about it. You cannot play rugby without it. So you can think of it like a performance enhancing drug because it literally is. And so you can think, you sit with it. It's not about getting rid of it. It's about being friends with it. Yeah. It's about sitting there and breathing. So when you breathe, you become present. And the other thing is people get in their heads. Mm -hmm. So by breathing, by focusing on your breath, it allows you to just feel everything that's going on in your body. Ground yourself, feel your feet on the floor, feel your the chair underneath you and feel everything going through your body and smile and think about how much you love playing. Like think about how much you love being out there. So, yeah, in the half hour, hour beforehand, you're feeling all this stuff. But smile like physically smiling releases hormones in your body. Uh, which are positive. So sit there, breathe deeply, smile, and think about how much you love going out onto that field. Yeah. And you'll start to get excited. I know what you mean, yeah. Is there there any players you've worked with over the years that you could say will be a good example of that Mm. and you'll see it based on their performances on the pitch? Yeah, people have asked this before. So, like, I work with lots of players one-on-one now, and people have said, like, in the past, you know, what players or whatever, but it's hard to know what's going on in someone else's head. Of course. You know, Mm. but... We were chatting off air, Lindsay, and we're both saying that when we were younger, we used to think you had to be like riddled and and all up in your head and bouncing off walls. (laughs) It's funny, when I was younger as well, I used to think I had to look serious. I think. big time. I had a rest of bitch face mastered. If the country didn't see me like this, I wasn't doing it right. And when I was stepping up in levels, I was like, I had to look like I was ready for it and had my head screwed on and this, that, the other. But then, it's not the case. And Warren. Come yeah. on. Yeah. So look at the I example mean, we used before when we had that chat, Damien Delinde. Damien Delinde, they came out and said it, the Z-Bot said it. He goes for a nap before games. Yeah. Damien Delinde is the best 12 in the world yeah. and comes out and plays 9 or 10 out of 10 every game. Yeah. He goes for a nap beforehand. And it was, <laughs> I saw one or two players, can't remember offhand, who were chilled before games. Yeah. And then I was like, that's what, who I am. Like, yeah. I'm chilled. Yeah. When I get onto the field, of course, yeah. I'm a different Don't force person. it out of yourself. Just be yourself. But, but be yeah. yourself. And it's about managing your energy as well. So like before, you know, the morning of a game, you don't need to be bouncing off the wall. You don't really want to be bouncing off the no. walls. You want to be managing your energy throughout it so that when it comes to kickoff, you're people Peaking, mm-hmm. you know and so then I, I realized myself I was like I like just have my music in listen to my music chill out in the dressing room if someone else wants to bang their head against the wall let them yeah, that's yeah. what they want to do but you just find out what you what works for you and a way to do that as well is think about games you've played well in mm. how were you before that game and so that'll give like clues as mm. to how you could should be before games for yourself to to get yourself into the right zone. Because a lot of people are, you know, they'd say like, oh, I feel sick before games. I hate the pre-match, but you don't need to hate it. 
No, you don't. And do you think it's the responsibility of the athlete or do you think that, um, I suppose, your role for this mental side should be brought <clears throat> in from the top down? Because obviously we spoke about Leinster and mm. like, you know, this interview with the lads and they're just so assured as to the process and the players around them. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So, so said, how do you be relaxed? You've got a coach shouting at you go, why aren't you pumped yeah. up? A hundred percent. So <laughs> like, say, for example, like Munster and, and new lads and a game philosophy, would it be better for you to come in and take that as a collective? Or can you pinpoint players that need that extra help with you? Or how does it work for you? Yeah. So how it works for me, like I've now been around to a few schools in Ireland, clubs in Ireland mm-hmm. over the last couple of months or last two months since I've been home you know I go around and just talk to those players and help educate them okay. and so coaches yeah they can bring in someone from the top and I think that at the top level a lot of players and teams have mindset and performance coaches but the problem is is outside the very top level there's no access to no. it so that's why I wrote the book on how you become a pro rugby player so that people can read this and learn about this and the same way when you're young, you get a gym program, mm. you know, and, and you, you read about, oh, do four by eight, the bench press and then do this, then mm. do this. And then if you want to go further, you can work with a personal trainer one on one. Lots of people do that. Yeah. And the same way I work with players one on one. So you can go online and or you can get a book on the gym and you can learn about all the mm. body and everything. And yeah, so it's the same with the book. Like you can you can learn about have more self-awareness, learn about what will work well for you, learn about how you be your best self out in the field, how you overcome self-doubt, how you deal with the nerves, how you deal with all that. And then, yeah, some players will want more. And yeah, so that's why I work with players one on one on Zoom or meet them for a coffee. There's some players in Ireland here, so in Dublin Mm. and then, yeah, with teams as well. Same thing. So when I was in Vancouver, I was working with a team like I was there Tuesday, Thursday and giving talks. And then some a lot of the time teams will just bring me in. I'll just go in for a day and just give a presentation and just chat to them about all that and then talk to them after as well. And. So yeah, there's there's a, a mix of things. There's a lot there. Yeah. No, look, great stuff. I mean, look, before we move on, we're going to have a quick look at the Six Nations team. But before we move on, speaking of working with teams, you're off to New Zealand next month to work with the Crusaders. I mean, you can't, you don't get much, it doesn't get much bigger than that. How, how did come? that come about? Yeah. Can we come, how did that come yeah. about? Now? How exciting is that? Like, and over to, I would say probably up there, one, of the, best one of the best teams in the world, up there with Leinster, with probably one of the best coaches in the world, and Scott Robertson. I mean, you gotta be looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm buzzing for it. So I head off uh, Feb sixth. I get on the flight. So yeah, really exciting. And I how did you get in there? So I was, as I said, I was in Vancouver for the last four and a half years, and I was staying in Vancouver because I was eligible to play with Canada in May of twenty three. Right. And I was in the Canada West team and all that. But then I had to stop playing with concussion and I was coaching. I've been coaching for the last six, seven years on the grass. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was coaching the BC under 18 boys and the Crusaders manager, Shane Fletcher, was over in North America for a few unions brought him over. He was coaching, kind of doing coach development. Right. And so myself and him were coaching on the grass for three, four days. I was talking to him about the work I do with the mental side of the game, helping players with the mental side of the game. I was talking to him about the book. The book wasn't out yet, but I was talking about all that, and I had him on the off-field rugby pod. And so after three days, he said to me, he was like, 
would you think about coming over for the year? Would you come over and uh, come in with us for the season <laughs> next year? And I was play just like, cool, um, yes, I yeah, would maybe. think about that. <laughs> yeah, I would. And, uh, so he gave me his card and he's like, yeah. And so two days later, I said I'd leave it a day. And then nah, don't, know, don't, don't look too eager. eager. I'd leave it a day and then two days later. Play cool, Brian. Play cool. I'm looking at a visa now. And, uh, and so we just, yeah. So that's how it went from there. And... Yeah, I suppose, I don't know, I think I'm one of these people, I think everything in life happens, everything happens for a reason, Mm -hmm. everything in life. And so, like, while I played a lot and, you know, that was always my dream and then coaching happened and then I had to stop playing and, you know, I never dreamt of playing with Canada growing up, don't get me wrong. I was very proud to get to play underage for Connacht, underage for Ireland. Those are the two teams I supported, but playing for Canada was my next goal I was like I'm going to do that whatever but then that just kind of stopped abruptly I just got yeah, shoulders just take it out of your hands like, exactly. yeah, there's nothing you can do there you just got to move then on then I had already been doing this work with on the mental side of the game and so and I love it so while the plane was taken away then I just went all in on the coaching and then three four months later you know I was on the grass coaching and then the Crusaders manager came over and was working with me for a few days and then that happened. So, you know, I, I think as well when you're following, I, I believe that when you're following your passion, when you're all in mm. on your dreams, like you'll see with sport, like what you've achieved. And I just think okay. when you when you when you go after it, go full hog after it, things yeah, happen. It does. Yeah. And I have to say it, it's fascinating. And, and you're like a lovely guy, just even briefly chatting before you come on, like and. I'm excited for you. And, and I think it's lovely that you've come up through the ranks and your experience in the setbacks and your yeah. and then reassessing your goals. Yeah. And now you're into coaching and your mindset. So they all link in as the full package. Mm. I think I've worked with some people who have when they have that different depth of knowledge as a player and be able to transfer it. You know, it's nice. And it's lovely now that you're getting to work with the Crusaders. Yeah, and now man. again set I'm sure new challenges and new goals and introduced to different psyches yeah. and a different style of rugby and a different culture oh. and a new move and yeah, best of luck with it enjoy the flight up. over I haven't been there since I was there in 2017 for the Lions tour and my god it's a tough old flight so that's probably going to be the worst part is getting over there Yeah, plenty, know, plenty of whiskey maybe a couple of sleeping tablets on the way over a couple of uh, weddings next year people like my cousin and friends are getting married and they're like oh the wedding I'm like it takes 31 hours to oh, get yeah. there I was <laughs> Forget looking, at the about sky, it. looking at my flights like 31 hours to yeah. get there and the price of flights and I'm like it's not just nipping over and back from the yeah. UK or anything so it's the other side of the yeah. world but yeah I don't know how, how often it's I'll Christ, be going Christ back Christchurch is down the south side south south isn't it the scenic part that's where all the Lord of Rings stuff was filmed I went home I never got to go down to the South Island oh, only really? in the North Island and I was like when I go back I have to go there because that's all the scenic stuff is so best of luck down there enjoy Cheers. it I'm sure it'll be a hell of an experience down there at Super Rugby and again a great, the a great man to join their stuff tell Scott we said well and tell him if he wants to come over and uh, work over here at some stage and I'm don't forget to, us Brian we'll right? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. like oh yeah it was on that Cheers, podcast once. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick look at the Six Nations well, we haven't got too much time left um, we've kind of covered it already mm-hmm. throughout the show and we covered it last week but I suppose any, I was my thing is I think okay I think I'd like to see Mike Haley in there. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone based on after what you saw the weekend? Anyone either? Go start with you, Lindsay. Anyone you really want to see there? That your mind has changed since <coughs> the, the the round the Champions Cup round there the weekend. All right, I'm going to put my neck on the line with this fella, but I don't think he's going to get in a setup. But okay. I think we need to see him like a keen Prendergast. I think we need to see Jamie Osborne in. Yeah, I agree with you. I think one one fella I'm going to also stick my neck on the line to another Leinster man who might be in jeopardy of not making the squad if everyone is fit. 
I'm not sure where Jordan Lammer is going to fit in as a winger in this Six Nations. If, I know. I know. Seven, Pat, like, that's oh, Jesus, that's two, two weeks, weeks in a row. row. We'll have to give him a bad heart attack now. He's gone no, again. Don't get me wrong. He's playing back well himself. But I'm kind of think right, obviously James always gone. But if everyone's fully fit, we've all our wingers and we've Robert Balakoon. Yeah. Obviously, we've said Keith Earls. Now, I'd love to see his response oh, now. I hope Keith Earls gets in there, lads, and gets his extra, what is he, 98 caps or something? He's yeah. on, like, there's a man that deserves to get a century of caps. It's Keith Bloody Earls. And I know, like, you don't want to give him pity caps. I still think he's good enough to be there. So I really hope either now or the World Cup before he goes give him those bloody two caps I know but sure like Jimmy O'Brien had another cracking game on, yeah, on the wing do you know what I mean um, I so I just think we have a lot of wingers we have a lot of players who can play like Jordan now has, is back to his best but we've kind of ruled him out of fullback so he's now just an out and out winger whereas yeah. you have other lads who can kind of play as utility like yeah, Jimmy was in slotting centre wing fullback so they're probably two guys I'd like to see in and I'd like to see John Port get nationalised and, and him in as well. It'd be another tradition, <laughs> so wouldn't he? Yeah. Is there anyone, anyone you spotted there now, like, like in the Connacht game or the Munster game? Um, you're like, do you know what? I'd love to see him give him a shot. So uh, all the the people are in. You mentioned Keen Prendergast. I think he has to stay in he there. Has to come he, in there yeah. he was in the New Zealand mm. tour, obviously. But I think someone we were talking about uh, Ian Henderson earlier in second row. But I think Niall Murray from Connacht has been unreal, and yeah. like, he took apart the Leinster lineout. There I was a raging. Of weeks I'm ago. still annoyed that. Yeah, he did. Like, he did, he did, he did a great And he's been incredible for the last year, 18 months. And so, while there's a lot of really good players in the second row, I think he's someone who could definitely get a look in. Mm-hmm. As, well, as you said, we'd like to see maybe maybe give Mac a shot at 15 in one yeah. of the games for Ireland. Be an interesting one to see that like, because he was so good there. I said, I know it was brave, but. It would be and nice to see him in there with an Irish Well, he needs to get his... Him. I think positionally, I'd like to see him at international level, see mm. how he covers, because Hugo Keenan, he, he did well against... Well, Hugo's always going to start, right? Hugo is our best fullback, but it, it's just, we keep as we keep saying, you can't rely on having one player in a position. It's cause, no. And especially in the World Cup. If he gets injured, if he gets banned, if yeah. anything happens, we're in trouble. And another one, like Robbie Henshaw's out injured, I think he, he'll be back pretty soon, yeah. but... Ringrose 13 is obviously world class but another one I think is Tom Farrell who's been playing really we well we said that last week yeah on the show yeah. Tom yeah. Farrell yeah. yeah he's a guy you mentioned like so there's a lot, of, a lot of centres there as well it's tough ones to break into there's like you've Stuart McCluskey Jamie Osborne at 12 there's yeah. a lot of 12s and Bundyaki more of a 12 yeah. but it's yeah he's someone who's who's there he's playing really well he's, he's, yeah. he's some of his tries and he's getting gain line and his running lines but he's, I suppose what we said is he's been around a long time and has that ship sailed from? But I think, look, what's the harm in bringing lads in? Um, and like, kind of bit like we said, what Leinster rotating three squads. At least you get a look at everyone. Lads get chances to play wherever they get chance in the ball, and they actually get time to play rather than two teams or whatever way they're. And people are just in and out, and you're left on the sideline. We've mm. all kind of been there, and you're like. When are we going to get my opportunity to play? Then your confidence yep. knocks. So, yeah, I think some good names. But like the conundrum we have here, we're just listing off players it's and players. Good complaint. And players. To have. It's a good <laughs> complaint. Probably fifty players that like could and would do a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. We didn't have that in the last World Cup and the World Cup before that. We didn't have this step at all. Like so, it's good to see. It's good to see. But fortunately, we're almost out of time. We have time for one more thing. And. Pat, we're going to start the show at Munster and we're going to finish the show at Munster. Just the way I like Pat, it. how much so money did he give you, Mike? How <laughs> much? <laughs> I tell you, it's, so it's, it's, it's time now for our Never Stop Competing Moment of the Week. We're going to give it to Sean Dogbo. He is, you recognise the name. I he do. is the brother of um, Munster's Edwin. He scored a 70 metre try for UCC in the AIL Division 1B. He's only 19 years old. 
So we can have the two brothers in, absolutely like running riot for Munster. So another good Munster player coming up that we need. So congratulations, Sean. I uh, hope to see you in a red jersey very soon. But uh, unfortunately, lads, I know we could sit here chatting about mindset and Ireland and rugby, Crusaders, everything, all day, but we don't have any time left. We're going to have to leave it at that. Um, absolutely. Uh, thanks for coming in today. I know you had to get up very early this morning and come all the way over from Mayo and with our lovely train system in Ireland. It takes about nine hours because you've got to go up and down. At least for me in Limerick, it's two hours up the road. But uh, thanks for coming on, Brian. Hope you enjoyed it. Cheers, Jason and Lindsay. You're and a Pat. gentleman. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me on. Lindsay. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Absolutely. As always, Lindsay, like we love having you here and we'll have you back. I know, I love too. being here. If you want, you're going to have to look at it. There'll be someone prettier in the seat now next week because Greg will be back. Like, so Mary, I won't have that. Both of my brothers are as <laughs> handsome as the other. So listen. <laughs> oh, look, uh, that's all we have time for. Uh, so uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. Catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.